Awesome. What a great time of worship to be able to celebrate Christ and the work that he's doing. And uh, the truth is, we do serve a God who does have the power and the ability to break every chain that it binds us, that keeps us from truly serving the Lord the way he would see fit. So uh, what a blessing to be able to worship this morning. We're going to take a moment. and uh, First of all, let's... uh, uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to take up an offering, just like we normally do on Sunday morning. I will tell you, I would like for us to pray specifically for our nation today, and there are a couple of really key reasons for that. Obviously, you are all aware. If not, you've been hiding under a rock, but this past Friday, we had uh, the presidential inauguration, and it was followed Saturday by uh, protests that basically have... Uh, uh, it's almost as if it was one continual protest that started on Friday and even continues today. We are a part of a nation that is very much divided. And to tell you the truth, I really don't care which presidential candidate you wanted to see as president because I'm not sure that the candidates themselves or the president themselves has the power or the ability to truly change this nation. Only Jesus Christ can change this nation. This nation is greatly in need of revival, and we as a church ought to be praying that God would move in a mighty way among our people. Uh, Today marks 44 years since the decision. I know this is politically incorrect to even address this, but sometimes it's good for the church to be politically incorrect. But 44 years ago today, the Roe v. Wade decision went down, basically legalizing abortion, legalizing the murder of millions and millions of innocent children ever since then. We as a nation need more today than ever before to return to Christ. And we as a church ought to be praying that that would happen. We can be instruments. Thank you for reaching out to us in the midst of our sin. Thank you for the promise that you can break every chain And you can truly redeem even those who seem to be lost causes. Sitting around us today are many of those who at one point in time would have been viewed as a lost cause. Yet you have broken chains. You continue to break chains. And you continue to transform lives. Well, we pray today that our nation would experience a transformation that could only come from you. We do pray for the president as he will make decisions. And again, it's not about whether or not we like him as our president. It is completely about the fact that we as a nation need godly leadership. So regardless of how much he has trusted in you in the past, we pray that you would be the one to guide his every decision moving forward. We pray that you would give him great wisdom, and we pray that you would grant him prosperity like he's never imagined, because we believe that as he prospers, as he is successful, that our nation will prosper and we will be successful. Lord, we pray today that you would guide not only the president, but the senators, the governors, the local officials. I pray that each one, as they begin their leadership that they would sense your leading every step of the way. Lord, I do pray for our nation as we are divided today. 
There are so many viewpoints that are out there, and some of them are very valid viewpoints, some of them not so much, but for every single one of them, they represent different ideas. And we know that a house divided cannot stand, so we pray that you would make our nation one. We know that the one thing that can bind us all together is you. Lord, I pray that you would send revival to this nation. We talk about the brokenness of our world. We talk about uh, a decision like what was made in Roe v. Wade. And it simply indicates how broken we are as a country. I do pray that you would forgive us. For we have not always made the most godly choices. We have allowed things to take place. We have sometimes even stood on the wrong side of the fence. Lord, I pray that you would grant us forgiveness. I pray that you would allow us moving forward to be a voice of your hope and grace that you alone can offer. Lord, I pray for our nation that when we look back a year down the road, that truly we would see a nation that is not divided, but one that has found a unifying peace in you. Well, we do pray for revival. Let it begin in us. Let it start with the people in this room. Allow us to be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit. Cleanse us and allow us to become a light to those in this local community. And then allow that light to spread rapidly to the world around us that they too might experience revival and they would be filled with your Spirit until basically it becomes something that cannot be stopped. Lord, I pray today for your spirit to move upon us. You know that there are other needs that are present here today. Well, we just ask that your will would be done. We ask that you would help us to depend on you. I pray for your peace, for your comfort, for your healing. Lord, all of those things, we know you are able to grant them. I pray right now that you would move on our behalf. And Lord, we will give you praise, honor, and glory for what you do. I do pray that you also be with the offering as we're about to receive it. Lord, I pray that as we give... Lord, help us to do so with joyful hearts and help us as a church to be faithful stewards, to use it for the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen. At this time, the ushers will come and they'll receive uh, the morning tithes and offering. I was asked to mention, and this is a great time to do it in this setting, um, one of the things that we are looking to do as a church, and when I say a church, I'm referring to this service and the one that just concluded, um, but one of the things we're looking at doing is trying to put together a new directory. Um, maybe for you, you don't want to be in the directory, and that's okay. Sometimes it's nice just to be able to have everybody else's number and all that stuff, uh, but there is a stand over there at the edge of the basketball court, and that stand basically has a current directory, I think, and then uh, if you have edits you want to make to yours, or if you want to add your name to that, that would help us uh, just to be able to include you in that directory. So uh, we're probably going to have that out there for a few weeks just to kind of allow people the opportunity, some who may not be here today, uh, it allows people to make adjustments or to add their name to that. We would love to have you included. Uh, one of the mistakes that I think sometimes churches make when they uh, have multiple services is they almost treat those two services as if they're two separate churches. Well, this is one body of Christ, and we're here to grow together, and this just it's a different way to do it, and we're just trying to make sure we can remain connected and be able to work together as a church.
Hey, I want us to read a passage of scripture this morning. It comes from John chapter th- Jonah chapter 3, excuse me. Uh, from John chapter 3 is a great chapter too, but that's not the one we're using today. Uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 3 this morning. We've been working through the book of Jonah. I will tell you that this sermon will be the last one that I will cover in this series. I know that there's a Jonah chapter 4, and I will come back to that, but it won't be next week. A part of the reason is because uh, next week my boss will be here. Uh, uh, Reverend Buddy Rampey is the district superintendent for the South Carolina district of the Wesleyan Church, and he will be here in both the first and the second service, and he will be preaching Uh, So as a result of that, I won't be able to finish it. Now, I will ask this. If you can be here next Sunday, it would make me look good if you guys all show up. So if you can, come on and join us. We'll have a great time next Sunday. Um, But let's read from Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10 just to get us started this morning. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. I will tell you, this is probably one of the most beautiful passages that we find in Scripture simply because this is very much about the redemption that God alone would offer. As we look at this, there are a couple of people that are being redeemed. And I hate to say that uh, in any way Jonah is being redeemed because of the work that he's doing, but really Jonah is one of those who is being redeemed. And in many ways, This has to do with the fact that God has now forgiven him. What are you going to do about it? Far too many of us have been redeemed by Christ, and we almost assume that the moment we have confessed our sins, the journey is over. Now that Jonah has received Christ, he has chosen to surrender to, not Christ, he has responded to God because Christ hadn't yet come. He has surrendered to him. Does that mean it's over? Of course not. Now he has a job to do. It doesn't end at the moment we surrender to Christ, but rather it begins. Have you ever needed a second chance? Probably all of us at some point have needed a second chance. I was reminded by one person this week that 
in one way, the Clemson Tigers received a second chance. Because last year, they faced off against Alabama in the national championship game. And probably, for many of even the players, they thought to themselves, well, we probably shouldn't expect to be back here every year. And the reality is, it is very unlikely that they will be back again next year. As it just happened to be, they got their second chance, and they made the best of that second chance. For some of us, your second chance was work-related. Or maybe it was an interview that didn't go as you had hoped it would. For others, maybe it was a relationship where we didn't handle ourselves the way that we should have, yet we were given a second chance, an opportunity to make things right. Second chances may look different for each one of us, but we all love it when we're given a second chance, when we can fix the wrong that has taken place. One of the best lessons of Jonah's failure and forgiveness is that God can continue to use those who return to him. We talked about it before. He was a prophet of God. This was a man who knew what it was to walk in the way of the Lord. It would be very easy for us to look and say, but he failed God and almost expect that God could never use him again. But the reality is God has always been a God of second chances. Consider what Psalm 86 verse 15 says, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. God extends mercy to those who will receive it. And as he extends it, he grants us that second chance. Just like Jonah, many spiritual leaders throughout scripture were individuals who needed a second chance. Adam sinned in the garden, yet God covered him. Moses murdered a man, yet God called him. Elijah quit. He complained. Then God recommissioned him to go and to do the work he had initially been called to do. Peter denied the Lord, yet on the night when Jesus met with his disciples on the seashore, he restored him. John Mark was one who deserted the mission team at Pamphylia, yet God moved upon him to write the second gospel that we have in Scripture. These are all people we look at and we think, well, these are great leaders in the church. These were individuals that they helped form the Christian faith. But every single one of them at some point or another needed a second chance. I'm going to tell you, I still got other things that I want to share, but if you get nothing else out of this message this morning, I want you to understand that God still grants second chances. I don't know the ways that you have failed. Maybe it's in your workplace. God can grant you a second chance. Maybe a part of it is you coming before God and saying, you know what, I haven't handled myself the way I should have. Maybe it's within your marriage, and maybe you've said something and done something, and you feel like there's no way we can fix this. I want you to know God is a God of second chances. Maybe it has to do with ministry, where you know God's called you to do something, but you've kind of pushed it off, and you wonder if you'll ever get that chance to do it again. God is a God of second chances. And no matter how many times or how many ways that you have failed him, he still desires for you to walk in a way that would honor him. So I really hope you listen to the rest of the message, but I want to make sure you get this.
God can give you a second chance. That verse from Psalm 86 that I quoted earlier even suggests that it's not even just a second chance. Sometimes it's a third chance and a fourth chance. Doesn't mean we should continue to push that envelope and keep ignoring him and denying him and living ungodly lives and keep hoping that there'll be yet another chance. But it is great to know that we serve a God who his love is never ending and he is faithful. It's been the story throughout the church and it continues to be that story for us as well. What are the characteristics of genuine spiritual revival? I ask that because that's really at the center of the second chances that God offered. Every one of those individuals that I referenced, they experienced a revival in their heart. Whether it was because of the fact that God approached them and held them accountable for their sin, or maybe it was the fact that they felt such amazing guilt for the things that they had done, or maybe it was simply that God was using even their sin to help get them to another point. The point is, there came for every single one of them a moment where they experienced a revival in their heart. We see three things this morning in Jonah chapter 3 that help us to understand what God desires for us. The first one is this. A sovereign work of God to forgive and change the lives of people took place. There was a work of God that began for Jonah. Jonah went to preach with unquestioned obedience. Now, I understand that there are some issues still with Jonah. It's revealed in chapter 4 a little bit later. But Jonah goes to the people of Nineveh. Does that mean all of a sudden he likes the people of Nineveh? Probably not. But God called him to go, and he goes. But really, you've got to ask the question, why them? Why then? The people of Nineveh were incredibly ungodly people. The people of Nineveh were not praying for revival. In fact, they weren't even interested in revival. To a degree, Jonah was right. The people of Nineveh, the, the Assyrians, were more likely to be candidates for God's judgment, not God's grace. But Jonah's successful preaching campaign had nothing to do with Jonah's ability. It had nothing to do with the Assyrians' worthiness. All we can say for sure is that God had a purpose behind, beyond human understanding. And if we take John 3.16 seriously, then it's not God's will that any should perish. We can conclude that before God showered Nineveh with grace, he reached to them with love, for God so loved the world. That's his desire. Even the people of Nineveh, God so loved the world. Perhaps we can look at God's choice to save these Assyrians from Nineveh a little bit differently. Maybe this simply represented God's plan to produce more goodness in the world by saving the worst people in the world. We talked about some of the things that they did in the very first sermon in this series. They would cut out the tongues of their enemies. And then they would skin them while they were still alive, basically as a form of torture. These are incredibly ungodly people. The Assyrians had a false god that they worshipped. Uh, this god was called Moloch. Uh, Moloch actually was a god who required a human sacrifice. 
not just any human, but that of a child. Uh, actually, most historians believe that this Moloch god was basically a stone statue with the god with his hands held out for an infant child to be placed in the hands and it was hollowed out so that there could be a fire that would burn within it and it would consume the body of this little child. We look at that and we think, what an ungodly group of people. Imagine if God could take horribly ungodly people and redeem them. How much better the world would be. Or perhaps, maybe the reason God chose to reach out to the people of Nineveh was because maybe the Israelites were going to be next on their list of nations to conquer. They weren't content with what they had. They often wanted to take more land, which typically that is common amongst most nations. They want more. Maybe the Israelites were next as the enemies of the people of Nineveh. And maybe God was simply sparing the people of Israel. We don't know why God chose to redeem those people. But without the redeeming work of God, they wouldn't have been changed. We don't have all the answers as to why, but it's important for us to realize that in the end, revival did come to Nineveh. Often we've heard of the term lost causes. And probably when we think of a lost cause, we think of people. I don't know, sometimes we think of other things. We think of, I guess it is kind of a lost cause that the Panthers might win the Super Bowl this year because they're not playing. But often when we think of a lost cause, we think of people. Maybe it's that individual who has strung out on drugs and they've been that way for a long time. Maybe it's that individual who is just ridiculously bitter and they take out their anger and their bitterness on other people all the time. And often as we look at them, we think, well, there's no hope for them. God could never redeem them. But he is a God of second chances. And with the people of Nineveh, just as Jonah needed a second chance, the people of Nineveh needed a second chance as well. And God is a redeeming God, and he granted them that chance. The second thing that I want you to see is that in the midst of revival, there must be a scriptural work of God to correct sin or correct the error of man. God told Jonah to go and to preach to the people of Nineveh. Preach the message that I give to you. This was the second time God had offered it. This is that second chance. While spiritual renewal may occur without a preacher or a prophet, in this case, there was a preacher or a prophet, it never occurs without divine truth, without God's personal intervention. I don't know who led you to Christ. I don't know who it was that helped you to understand the gospel message. For me, I was at a youth camp in uh, Roanoke, Virginia, actually just outside of Roanoke, Virginia. I will confess it wasn't a quote-unquote Wesleyan campground. It was a Church of God camp. Um, and I remember the minister uh, bringing the message. Honestly, I have no idea what he said. I can remember when it came time at the end of the service, and he opened up the altar and I immediately felt compelled, and I knew that God was calling me to surrender my life to him. I just graduated from high school, and I really had no clue what God had for me next. 
I'm not going to tell you I was like the worst guy in the world. Actually, I think I was a pretty good kid. I was one of those kids who I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble, but part of that was because I knew how to stay out of trouble. I wasn't really that really bad kid. But I still needed the redemption of Jesus Christ. God reached into my life as his spirit spoke to me and he changed who I was. It wasn't an overnight thing where all of a sudden I was just Mr. Perfect and in fact, I'm still not. (laughs) But I recognized very clearly that it was only through the spirit of God speaking to my heart that I was changed. And the same thing is true for each one of us. It is by God's grace that he has reached into our lives and offered us redemption. We need to simply recognize that he is the only one who makes that possible. And as he makes that possible, he changes everything for us. There are three things that we should remember as he changes us and as we begin to become his ministers. Because by the way, all of us are called to minister with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first one is that we must speak the truth in love as we are instructed in Ephesians chapter 4. Let me tell you a story. In AD 405, there was a guy, his name was Maywin Sukat. Now, I will probably never use that name again, but um, he was 16 years old. He was kidnapped by pirates from his home in Britain and taken to Ireland, a pagan land where he was sold as a slave. In captivity, feeding pigs and sheep like the prodigal son, he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. After six years... Maywin providentially escaped slavery and returned to his homeland. But soon after, he felt God calling him to return to Ireland as a missionary to convert his former captors. He obeyed and nearly the whole country accepted Christ. After he became a minister, he took on the name by which we now know him, Patrick the one we refer to as St. Patrick. That is an amazing kind of transformation that God would do. To think that one could go back and send, basically bring the message of Jesus Christ to give hope and love to a people who had done such harm to him. Several years ago, I've shared with the congregation over there. I have not shared it in this setting. Several years ago, um, my mom had to deal with some issues of forgiveness. My mom is a great lady. You will often hear me tell you that she is probably one of the best moms the world could ever have. Uh, She raised three kids on her own. She worked very, very hard. Uh, At times, she would work three and four jobs at a time just to make ends meet. She didn't want to depend on anybody else. She is the perfect image of a mother who would give everything for her children. But my mom entered into, a, into motherhood as a broken lady. Part of the reason for that is growing up, she had six, uh, actually seven brothers and sisters. One was a half brother who did not live with them full time. But among all of the brothers and sisters, every single one of them experienced emotional, physical and sexual abuse at the hands of one of, I know I've told you guys my dad was married seven times and my grandmother was married five times, at the hands of one of the stepfathers. The boys and the girls, they all experienced it and they all carried incredible baggage. Eventually, 
uh, word would get to the police through one of the school counselors that this sexual abuse was taking place and uh, he would be arrested. My grandmother, uh, I'm not sure what was going through her mind at the time. She took each of the kids to the jail and had each one of them apologize to him for the things that they were saying about him, even though in the end he would confess to the crime himself. My mom carried so much baggage from that. For years, she never would talk about it. I will tell you that I have aunts and uncles. Their families know nothing about it because it became the dirty little secret that nobody ever addressed. My mom experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. She began to become involved in the church and tried to basically do everything she could to make things right, realizing something was missing. At one point, she began to talk with the pastor about what had taken place. And he simply asked her, have you forgiven your mother and your stepfather for the things that they did? Forgiving the stepfather was a very easy act to be able to participate in simply because he had already died. She wrote a a letter to him and she didn't have to worry about his response. She wrote a letter and basically burned it. And that was her way of saying, you know what, I forgive you. My grandmother, on the other hand, was still alive at the time. And she lived nearby to us. My mom decided that to begin with, she would just try to do some things to try to make peace between she and my grandmother. So she would involve her in different things, uh, family functions. She would invite her to come to it. Occasionally, my mom would even go pick her up to take her places. And one particular day, she was riding down Interstate 66 in the Washington, D.C. area, and they were riding to my sister's, which is about an hour and a half hour, hour and a half drive uh, from my mom's place to my sister's place. And as they're riding down the road, my mom felt so convicted that she needed to offer forgiveness to my grandmother. So she said, mom, mother, she always referred to her as mother. I want you to know that I forgive you for everything that happened when we were children. My grandmother, in her pride and arrogance, immediately responded, why, I didn't do anything to you. My mom said that she wanted so much to just reach over and open the door and push at 70 miles an hour. But she knew that that wasn't the right thing, and instead she said, regardless of how you respond, I want you to know that I forgive you. My grandmother said nothing the entire rest of the ride. I want you to know that two weeks later, My mom brought my grandmother down to the church where I was pastoring in Burlington, North Carolina, and that's much longer than an hour and a half drive. She brought my grandmother down to that church service, and in that church service, my grandmother gave her heart to Christ. I can't help but wonder how much what my mom did just two weeks earlier, how much that impacted the decision that my grandmother made two weeks later. Because what happens is so often, We are so guarded by everything else, but when we see other people become transparent and broken before us, we can become transparent and broken as well. In many ways, what we see here through this individual, Maywin, St. Patrick, we also have the opportunity to impact the lives of others, even if they have wronged us somewhere along the way. I want to encourage you to be one who speaks the truth in love 
and gentleness because that is what God calls us to do. We also are to be those who truly do offer the truth to all people. In the story of Jonah, Jonah went throughout the city. He began basically marching through the streets. Took three days to get through the whole city. So he didn't just go and stand on the corner. Remember, he was a little bit reluctant to go in the first place. And you almost could have pictured him going to the edge of the city and just saying, okay, I'm going to do it one time. That's it. I want you guys to hear it. But Jonah, even though he probably still didn't like those people, he goes and he begins to preach. And then he continues to walk through the city and he goes a little further and he preaches and he goes further and he preaches. It took him, it was such a large city. It took three days to go through the entire city of Nineveh. The lowest of people, they heard his message. We're told that eventually the word actually gets to the king, basically those who lead in Nineveh. And what happens is the message of repentance begins to be spread amongst everybody. We as a nation need God to intervene for us today. Not just for people like us, which sometimes that's what we kind of want to do. We want to minister to those who are just like us. But I'm telling you, we as a nation need God's intervention. Those who are ideologically different from us, they need God's intervention. Those who are marching in, uh, really in protest to the things that are happening in our nation, they need God's intervention. Those who celebrated on Friday the inauguration of a new president, they need God's intervention. We need to understand that God's message of truth and hope is not just reserved for a few, but he desires to see our world transformed. Every single one, small and great. We also must be those who obey the truth wholeheartedly. I will tell you that Jonah, I'm not 100% sure he obeyed wholeheartedly. He obeyed, but wholehearted might be a little bit of a stretch because in chapter four, we find that his motive was a little bit, well, it probably wasn't as much about love as we would like to think. Actually, Jonah was a man who was very reluctant in what he did, yet God chose to work through him anyways. Imagine the transformation God could do if we truly did something wholeheartedly for him. Remember where the God, we serve the God of second chances? What if we really gave our everything to him or to the calling that he gives us? I've often used this in marriage counseling with couples where um, often we expect the most out of our spouses, the person who's going to be with us but we give the absolute least. You've heard the phrase, it's the least I can do. Well, you never want to use that within a marriage. I would also say you don't want to use that in talking about our service to Christ. Our question ought to be, what can I do? Um, was it Franklin Delano Roosevelt who challenged the people, I probably got the wrong president, but challenged the people, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what your God can do for you, but ask what you can do for your God. What I will tell you is he is a God of second chances, and he will grant you the privilege to do more than you ever could imagine. Did I get the wrong president? Okay. It's all right. JFK, that was the one. Y'all knew what I meant, so it was, it was all right. That's what happens when I break away from my notes and I share things that I hadn't planned on sharing. So, 
Last thing that I want you to see today is that in this situation, what took place was a sudden work of God on an unexpected people. Revival took place at a time when the people simply were not expecting it. The people of Nineveh hadn't cried out to God. They hadn't prayed for revival to come. They hadn't confessed that they needed God's intervention, yet they needed God's intervention. And sometimes God will move upon us in such a mighty way that it catches us by surprise. I don't know today the need that you have in your life, but I do know this. He is a God who still breaks chains. He is a God who can transform even the most broken person and make them whole. He is a God who can redeem the most ungodly people. As he calls out to us, we simply must respond. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come back up. Some of y'all, you didn't know it because I didn't tell y'all ahead of time. I want them to sing that last song that they did. And as they sing this song, I want you to truly ask God to have his way in your heart. Maybe there's something in you right now that you're holding back and you've yet to be willing to truly release it to him. The time is now to say, God, I am yours and I will do whatever it is you call me to do. Maybe he's going to have to call you to do something that he already called you to do before, but you ignored it. Maybe it was going back to a loved one, someone who had wronged you and making peace. Maybe it's going to someone that you have wronged and not only confessing that I have fallen short in my commitment to you, And my commitment to God. But I need your forgiveness. And making not only the declaration, but making the decision today that I will not walk on the same path that I have walked. Because not only is it God who gives us second chances, but he truly does change us. He can redeem us so that our lives will take on meaning and purpose like they never have before. Jonah would have just been an ordinary prophet. We never would have even heard his story or anything about him if not for the fact that God took a man who was imperfect and God used him in such a mighty way that an entire city would be redeemed. What could God do through you if you truly surrendered everything to him? I believe today that God desires to change lives. Maybe it needs to begin in someone or many people here. I will open up the altar, but I also want to tell you that God can meet you right there in your chair. I'm going to ask them to to sing this song through, and then we're going to have a time of prayer that will follow. I will ask you to stand and join us as they sing. You sing, you lift up your voice. But if you feel led to come forward, please come forward as they sing. We come before you today and we declare Lord, that you are our God. You are the God of second chances, one who is incredibly patient and abounding in love. And you have shown grace to us and your faithfulness to us over and over and over again.
Oh, we come before you and we ask that you would once again extend your grace to us. Oh, we pray for not only second chances, but third chances and fourth chances. And however many chances it takes, Lord, I pray that right now in this moment, that you would take us imperfect vessels and that you would use us in such a mighty way, work in us in such a mighty way that truly tomorrow won't be the same as today. Lord, I pray for forgiveness where we have fallen short. Far too often we have allowed our sin to dominate our lives. We have allowed ourselves excuses instead of obedience. Lord, I pray right now that you would work in such a mighty way that that would never be the case again. Where there are relationships that are broken, where we have fallen short, Lord, I pray for a second chance. In our job places where we have not handled ourselves well, maybe we have made poor choices, Lord, I pray for second chances. Lord, I pray that whatever the calling has been on our lives, where we have not been obedient and we have not said yes, I pray for second chances. I pray that you would have your way in us. Use us in such a mighty way that truly this world would be changed because people responded to the second chance you gave. As Jonah, a man who was filled with hatred for the people of Nineveh, a racist heart, could be redeemed and could be given the opportunity to introduce probably thousands and thousands of people to your grace and they would respond. Lord, make us world changers with the second chances you give us. Well, we believe today that you are in the redeeming business. Just as you did thousands of years ago with Jonah. Redeem us, redeem our nation. But let it begin here. Lord, help us to be obedient. I pray that you would break the chains that have bound us, that have kept us from truly being used by you. Well, we look forward to seeing the mighty work that you do in us. May you be honored as we take advantage of the second chance you've given. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I will ask you this, don't let the message die because the service is over. If you need a second chance, act on it. Go and talk to the people that you need to talk to. Confess where you've fallen short. Ask for forgiveness and choose to walk different than you did before. He is a God of second chances, but he expects us to act on the second chance that he's given. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Go in peace.